You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, let's go home. All right, okay. All right, open up your Bibles to Luke 17, uh, verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 19. It's a familiar story some of you have heard before. And we're starting a new series this morning called Thankful. Um, it makes sense because we are in uh, the Thanksgiving season. But more than that, so much more than that, is um, what, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the way of creating in us as a people, as individuals, a thankfulness for who Jesus is. Wow, man. And it, it's, it's, all, it's even what we're doing, what our devotional as a church that we're doing together, focusing on this idea of thankfulness and what it means, allowing the Holy Spirit to expand this. And I promise you this, that if you say, I want to grow in thankfulness, God, help me to grow in thankfulness, he will begin to expand this in your heart. And what takes place, what begins to transform us as we become a thankful people It begins to reshape the way we see, our perspective that we see in the world. It begins to give us a renewed identity that we, instead of maybe being a little bit Eeyore-ish, what I call Eeyore-ish, y'all know who Eeyore-ish is? You know Eeyore? Eeyore-ish? Oh, Pooh, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Pooh Bear, you know? (laughs) I lost my tail, you know? Like we, we, We become a happy people. We become a people that actually begin to reflect the truth of the gospel that God is for us, that there is something in front of us. And honestly, a thankful heart and a thankful spirit is not dependent upon your circumstances. And if I could even say it like this, that thankfulness is not dependent upon what God does for you, but who he is. All right. So we're going to just look at this today and talk about this, unpack some of this. In Luke 17, 11 through 19, this is just, I titled this Lessons from One Thankful Leper. Lessons from One Thankful Leper. All right, it says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he, being Jesus and his disciples, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Okay, now this is a story that we probably are all pretty familiar with, but I want to unpack a little bit of the detail, give a little bit of background and context to what's actually taking place. Just three quick things, and then I want to talk to you about the, the reflection of a thankful heart, what it means to be thankful, okay? So the first thing that we need to look at here is this, where Jesus was walking, where he was going. Jesus was actually concluding, starting around uh, Luke chapter 5, um, he, was, he was concluding a journey that swept him down uh, kind of westward from Jerusalem down in toward Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, 
And, and he was coming back. Now he's on his way back in Luke 17. And he's making a decision that we're going to learn the significance of this decision in just a little bit. He's making a decision to go in between two pieces of, of geographic area that one is someplace that he should never be, a place that he would not normally go. And the Bible's not, um, is not, it makes a decision to really choice, use choice words here. And we need to pay attention to this. Because it says this, that Jesus was on his way back to Jerusalem, and he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now the problem is this, is Samaria. Why? Because if you've ever read the story of uh, the Good Samaritan, you understand that Samaritans were not uh, cohesive with Jewish people. But Jesus did a lot of things that normal people or normal Jews would not do. He went to a lot of places that normal Jews would not go. He hung out with people that normal Jews would not hang out with. But I want you to know this, very importantly, is that Jesus was not there by accident. He was not there by accident. Anytime you read a descriptive phrase of a journey, you've got to understand as it pertains to Jesus that it is not accidental. And we can read through the, the, the gospel stories over and over again, these instances where Jesus is traveling or his, he and his disciples are going a place and they interact with somebody in need of his compassion. And the question we have to ask is why? Even in the simplest of words when we read the Bible, why? Here's what I believe the answer is. It's twofold. It's this. Is that like Jesus, we need to be have situational awareness that we can't get so busy with life that we discount the places that we kind of just go meaninglessly. I want you to look around the sanctuary really quick. In Luke 15, there's a very powerful passage, a parable that Jesus gives. And we see a lot of empty chairs here. And some of the questions are, where are the people that used to be here? Now, here's what I want to tell you. The empty chairs are not about the people who used to be here. They're about the people God wants to be here. In Luke 15, Jesus gives a beautiful parable about the wedding feast. Where the master who is having a feast sends out invitations. And those who got the invitation come back with a plethora of excuses. And this is not, listen to me, I want you to hear my heart. Because the excuses are irrelevant. They didn't come. And Jesus looks at his servants and he says, my house will be full. So I want you to go to the lame and I want you to go to the broken. And I want you to invite them. And they do and they come. But it's still not full. And then Jesus or the master looks at his servants and says this, I want you to go into the highways and the byways. The places on the outskirts. And I want you to find the least and the most unlikely. And I want, them, I want you to invite them to come because my house will be full. And so when you combine the truth that Jesus didn't do anything on accident and the truth that Jesus is still reaching to the broken and to the least, then the conclusion that we must have is this, is that we have to live our lives on purpose. Why? Because each one of these chairs reflects a broken person in need of the gospel. 
Jesus didn't do anything on accident. He didn't do anything on accident. He was intentional, but the second thing it means is this, is that Jesus will go any distance to reach somebody, including you. He'll go any distance to heal you. He'll go any distance into the the places of our brokenness to reach us and to bring us out of that place, to heal us and to set us free. He will go any place. We're going to learn this in, in, in in a better detail in just a second. So this is what we see where Jesus was going. The next thing, a little bit of context, is that he encounters 10 lepers. Hmm. Lepers, these were outcasts by the law of Moses. They could not come into the city, so they were, they were condemned to the, to the outside the city gates. And depending upon the law of the particular area, how it was interpreted, it could be either a distance that could be a few arm lengths away from any person, like they couldn't come within touching distance of somebody to hundreds of yards. Depending upon how the city interpreted the law of Moses, These were outcasts, and they created these little colonies outside the city for their protection and their survival. And I want you to just kind of get a glimpse of this because it brings out and it heightens the narrative of this story in such a very amazing way. Because when you got leprosy and it was something that was contracted by being with people, touching people, having contact with people, and then all of a sudden you were isolated from people and thrust outside the city. If you were a new leper that recently discovered this disease, the terror that would just grip your heart. But as you came and you into the colony, into the community of other lepers, what you would see is not every leper was the same. Some were at the end stages of their life. Some were in a place where a lot of their flesh was decomposing. And then some were just getting started. And their future was dim. Can you imagine that? And can you grasp that for just a second? Because The reason why I believe the scripture uses this and tells us this story is because it wants to parallel the truth that we're like the lepers. We're like the lepers. Not you, but I forget that sometimes. I forget that I too was condemned by sin, that I too was an outcast because of my actions, that I too was subject to death because of my decision. That I too lived in a place without a future and a hope. But what happens here is phenomenal. Because the, the, the condition of people's hearts when they saw lepers is sometimes like my heart. When I see a homeless person. I don't want to be heavy this morning, guys. But I want you to feel this story. Is that sometimes... I'll cross to the other side of the street, and I'll keep my gaze straight ahead. I'll mute out the cries for help, and I'll mute out the, 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 the need for, for something. I'll mute it out. But I want you to imagine this, that if from me to Joseph was the distance that a person could come or a leper could come to Jesus, I want you to imagine this, that as the lepers were crying out, Jesus and his disciples, maybe his disciples were doing this number, Maybe they were having a conversation that they couldn't be occupied with the concerns and the cares of something that they passed by outside of every city that they ever walked into. But I want you to see Jesus' gaze. His face looked at them and he heard their cry. 
And he steadily started walking to him. Wait a second, Jesus, you're crossing a line. Wait a second, Jesus, and maybe the lepers were backing up. But Jesus kept walking to him. He broke the barrier. Thank you, man. He reached out and touched me. Jesus encounters them. Why is this important? Because if we're like the lepers, we need to understand that Jesus goes into the most disgusting, broken, hurting places, the places that are isolated, the places that are in pain, the places that are dark and closed off in our life. He desires to go there. There is not a distance too far out of the way. There is nothing on accident, nor is there a place too bad that Jesus does not want to go. He wants to go there. He wants to go there. And then finally we see this, that the lepers cried out to Jesus. They cried out because they got used to nobody coming close to them. They were accustomed to this. Their voices were dried out because of the illness. Their vocal cords were strained and stretched. But this was their only means of survival. They cried out to him, but this time they did something different. They acknowledged something about Jesus. Maybe they heard. Maybe the word got passed up as Jesus traveled through the countryside with his disciples. Maybe they heard about this one who claimed certain things about himself that was going around healing diseases. And the only reason why we know this is because of this one word that we see. Is that they acknowledge Jesus. They call him by his name. This was his name, but they say, Master, Master, Master. What does that mean? That word Master means this, that you're not just a teacher, but you're a teacher with authority. When they said, have mercy on us, they're not asking amiss, but what they're doing is saying, we recognize who you are, that there's something that we heard about you. You're somebody with authority. And Jesus, his response is immediate, and it's clear. And he commanded them to go and show themselves to the priests. Why? Why? I want to encourage you to be wires. To be people that ask the question why when you read the scripture. Why did Jesus, his response, when they cried for mercy, go and show yourself to the priests? Because by the law of Moses, they weren't able to go and to engage in their act of spirituality. They were not able to go and to make sacrifice to enter into the place where the, the presence of God was. They were not able to go there because they were considered unclean, unworthy as, as in de facto by their uncleanliness. Their value was tarnished, that there was a separation that they understood between them and God. And if you could ever imagine yourself, maybe you've been in this condition or you've talked to somebody in this condition when all things start to come unglued in their life and they say, is God mad at me? And if you ever want to know why Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, is because it answers the question. God is not mad at you. See, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, time and time again, he follows this pattern. As it was with the lame man entered through the, that came through the roof, his, his friends lowered him through the roof. And what were the words that Jesus said to this lame man first? And sometimes it's confusing and it rattles us because we feel this insensitivity from Jesus. But he looks at this lame man and says, your sins are forgiven. And all of a sudden, the, the, all the scholars in the room go, 
Who are you, Jesus? You can't forgive sins. <laughs> it, literally, they did that. They, they did a little jig. Jesus says, so you know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Take up your mat and walk. Why? Because Jesus was always intent. It would never be enough just to heal, sin, heal sickness. It was always heal sickness so you can go to the Father. Man, this is why we're thankful. Because Jesus is able to heal completely. So these ten lepers get up and they go. And the Bible says they were cleansed. Now, I want to show you a couple of words really quick before we get into this. What truth, thankfulness, how it manifests in our life. It's because there's a couple of words. There's the word in Luke 17, 19 and 11 says this. Verse 14, it says that they were cleansed. And then it says that they were healed. And then the very last scripture in verse 19, it says, To the one, Jesus looks at him and he says, Your faith has made you well. And there's a difference between those words. See, the first word means this, is that the physical infirmities are leaving your body. The second word, heal, kind of denotes the interaction between the lepers in their condition to say that liberty is beginning to take place in my life. And this is the initial joy that takes place when God does something big for us. That we go, my life is beginning to change. He broke through. He healed. He, he delivered me from a situation. He healed me from a disease. He did this. And joy fills our heart. But being healed doesn't mean you encountered what the last word means, which is well, which is the word sozo, which means completely, totally whole. Nine got healed. One got free. Okay, let's talk about the true thankfulness, the manifestation of true thankfulness. We're going to look at the, just look at the reflection of this one thankful leper. Okay, so the first thing that we see is here is that true thankful, thankfulness manifests itself, manifests itself in our passion. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down, that if I'm a truly thankful person, my passion to Jesus is going to change. How do we know this? Because it says this, this leper came back and he was praising God. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He was praising God with a loud voice. See, and there's a reason that there is a bit of contrast here in the story. If we look at it clearly, what we see is this, that Moments earlier, what was taking place is their voices were being lifted up. They, they were crying out in a loud voice for help, for mercy. But all of a sudden, as this one, one leper realizes that he has been healed, that his life is changing because he's not an outcast anymore, that he can go before God, he can rejoin his family. He's probably thinking about meals now and all these things. Instead, he's, he's running, he's going, oh my gosh. He stops, he turns around, he says, Thank you, Jesus! See, his voice, instead of being one for mercy, turned around into thankfulness. His condition 
changed, but his passion did not. His passion was redirected back to saying, thank you. Do you see that? Do you see that? Because sometimes what happens is salvation comes and then we forget our passion for Jesus. But the lesson we see from this one thankful leper is this, is that his passion didn't change because part of a thankful heart is reflected in our passion for Jesus. That we don't lose sight of this. What separated this leper from the others was his passion and his thankfulness here. How we say thank you is important. We have to be passionate in our thank you because it reflects that we have not forgotten what we have been delivered and saved from. In Psalm 9, 1 and 2, it says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing your praise. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Listen to this. Listen to the the, the verbiage, if you would, in this scripture. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with my whole heart. Something begins to be unfolded when we are passionate about our thankfulness. Now I want you just to reflect back on the last time you enjoyed Christmas with a small child. Probably somewhere between that two and a half to four to five range. That is what I call the prime Christmas years. Those are the prime years. My wife and I realized that shortly after our first child that it was not about what was wrapped up. It was just about the, 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 the amount, right? You know what I'm saying? Like overwhelming them. Because their eyes would come, they would come into the room, and we all, we made them come into the room at the same time. We were just abusive parents in that way. (laughs) Because they would be like, they would stay up all night long. And then it was amazing. This is the one and only time because the expectancy was so rich in their hearts, in their little hearts. And they would, they would wait, and then you could hear them rustling around, and Kim and I would wake up, and I'd always be like, babe, wake up, this is so exciting. No, I'd be like, please tell him to go back to sleep. You know why? Because I was fixing a trampoline in the backyard till 2 a.m. That's why. Can I, can I just tell you that honestly? And I can't wait for my kids to have kids and say, Dad, will you come help me do this? I'm going to say, no, son, no, daughter, I won't. I love you. You should have paid for it to be installed. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And we'd hear him wrestling around, and we'd get up, and we'd get the camera, and we'd get everything right. And, and, and then they would run out, and they hadn't opened up one gift. But they're like, ah! And every gift they opened up, this is my favorite gift ever. This is my favorite gift ever. Their passion never declined. It's amazing. And sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? And passion is so significant in the way that we appropriate the goodness of God. When we learn to just say, Jesus, thank you. And we get passionate about it and we just get in his presence and we say, thank you. For what? For you. For your love. The fact that you went to the cross for me. The fact that you delivered and set me free. The fact that you healed my body. 
the fact that you gave me peace. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Psalm 28, 7 in the NIV says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he will help me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. My heart leaps with joy. When's the last time your heart leapt with joy? (laughs) And we go, man, look, you know, I tell you what. My heart leapt with joy when the Indians beat the Bulldogs on Friday. Oh, too soon, too soon. I said, great are you, Lord. Everybody in Section H, let's stand up. Great are you, Lord. I want you to smile. I want you to have fun. Let's keep going. So the first thing is a truly thankful heart manifests itself in passion. Side note, side note, just so I don't offend any New England people. I may or may not have lost the bet on that game, just so you know, okay? All right, all right, okay. Not for money. All right. The second thing that we see about a truly thankful heart is proximity. I want you to see this, okay? Because the scripture says that this leper runs back and he does something super significant. Something he, we don't know how long was the last time that he really had human contact. And again, I'm not going to beat this idea up of leprosy anymore, but it isolated them from human touch. And he does this, is that he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. We see the contrast this time, and it comes in the form of the distance that was forced upon these lepers for we don't know how many years, for so long, But now once the healing came, this one leper came back and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. It was something he had not been able to do in a long time. Something that it was an expression of thankfulness through his touch by coming close to Jesus. And what separated this leper and his thankfulness is that he came back and he got close to Jesus. It was the first person he got close to. I could preach this thing inside and out, I'm telling you, and I want you to really grasp this. But if you have never been on the doorstep of something that feels like it is the end of your life and having it renewed to you and thinking about all the things that you're going to have a second opportunity to do, imagine that these 10 lepers were doing this. Imagine that they were just, their brains were just rolling and going through and saying, I'm going to go get to sit down and hug my children. But yet this one leper did, the first touch he had was to return to Jesus and get in his presence at his feet. Thankfulness will push us closer in our desire to get close to Jesus. When we ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate in us a thankful heart, the response is to get close to Jesus. So what does proximity say about our thankfulness What does it mean when we get close to Jesus? What is that saying about how thankful we are? It says that we're thankful for who He is, not just what He's done. See, because if it was just about what He did, it would have been ten lepers that left. Do you see that? 
See, but one leper turned around and in his passion, he got close to Jesus and he put himself at Jesus' feet. And this is a gesture that says, I'm going to wait on you. That I'm going to worship you. I'm going to prostrate myself down on your feet and make myself low because I recognize who you are. And it's as if he was saying this, that I'm not thanking you just because of what you've done, but I'm thanking you because of who you are. Now, I want to go back and I want to touch on this for just a second. I want to, I want to rewind and why I believe Jesus did this and had this interaction, okay? Because in Jesus' journey, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, and you can just make a, a, write this down in your notes or make a bookmark of it, however you want. As Jesus is coming from Jerusalem down in, and just imagine this kind of swooping motion that Jesus is going through on the journey. So at this point in time that Jesus comes into a, a town, a Samaritan town, and he's not, he's not met with any kind of warmth. In Luke 9, 51, there's an interaction where the Samaritans reject him. Now, just as a side note about Samaritans, Samaritans are half Jew, and they're half something else. That they have what would be considered by a Jew is just to have half idolatry and then half truth. But here's what was unique about the Samaritans is that they adhered to a lot of the law, but they actually liked the Jews more, more than the Jews were looking for a Messiah, and they believed that a Messiah was coming. And when we read any time in the Gospels where Jesus has an interaction or uses Samaritans, it's because he's acknowledging the faith that existed in the Samaritan heart. Whether it was with the woman at the well, or the parable, or in this case in Luke 9 and in Luke 17. But in Luke 9, what we see is this, is out and out rejection to the point where his disciples say something so powerful to Jesus. As they look at Jesus and they're like, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy this city? They would have never dared said that about a Jewish city. They would have never dared insinuated that God would destroy a Jewish city because they rejected Jesus. But because it was a Samaritan town, they looked at Jesus and said, do you want us to call down fire? And Jesus rebukes them and says no. Now Jesus journeys back up toward Jerusalem where we, we meet him in Luke 17. But in Luke 15, the disciples ask Jesus a question because they're not seeing people coming in and they're hearing Jesus preach a gospel of truth that is more defined by the narrow gate than it is the wide gate. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, look, that it, it, it costs something to follow me. It means something to follow me, to lay down your life. You, it, it's going to cost something. And his disciples in Luke 15 say, Jesus, can anybody be saved? Can anyone be saved? They're asking him an honest question. It's like, it's too heavy, it's too hard. So we go up to Luke 17 with these 10 lepers, and this is what's exciting and awesome. Because what happens, the third thing that happens, if passion is the first thing of a thankful heart, and proximity, getting close to Jesus is the second thing, then the third thing is this, is a new pattern. A new pattern. Because the scripture here in Luke 17 says something very significant twice. 
is it says that this leper was a Samaritan and a foreigner. A Samaritan and a foreigner. And it insinuates that the other nine were Jews. And Jesus, when he commands them to go, when he commands them to go to the priest and make themselves whole, is that he knew that there was a distinction because nine would go to one place and one would go to another place because they didn't worship at the same place. And so Jesus, when he tells them this, what happens is this man runs back but it creates a new pattern in him. And it's a reflection of this and something that Jesus probably was showing to his disciples and saying, look, is that I recognize faith. I recognize thankfulness and I honor it. And I will move and I will make whole, completely whole, those who recognize me in faith and thanksgiving. He looked at this leper and he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Man, whoo. We have to get little towels. You're going to have to. <laughs> friend told me a story. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> my kids tell me now that my jokes aren't funny. They're like, not funny, Dad. Not funny. All right. I'm going to stop. So here's the thing, is that Jesus looks at this, this leper and says, rise, go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you completely whole, sozo, that you're not just well in your flesh, that the wounds of the sickness are no longer there, that the stain of the shame is no longer there, that the fear of your future is no longer there. You're completely whole. Something amazing happened. Jesus understood that this one man could not go and maybe for the sake of his disciples to prove that what took place in Luke 9 was just a fluke. That he hadn't ousted out all Samaritans or anybody, but he honored faith and he wanted to remind them that I move by faith, that I respond to faith, and faith and thankfulness go hand in hand because it created a new pattern. Because what this Samaritan, I believe, recognized is this, is that he didn't need to go to a priest any longer, but he had encountered the most high priest. He had encountered the thing that he had looked for, the thing that maybe he heard about, the thing that rumored around the valleys and the villages of where he was, that the Messiah was really here, the thing that maybe he spoke out with the other nine in faith when they said, Master, you're one with authority, you're different than the other people that we've heard about, but you're really the Messiah. I believe who you are. It created a new pattern. What this leper received was substantially more than the nine he received sozo complete healing and when our attitude of thankfulness begins to flourish it opens up the door for Jesus to come and create new patterns in us he wants to he desires to move in our life completely Ephesians 3:20 come on up mike it says this such a beautiful prayer that Paul prays it's the tail end of it, and he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Jesus wants to do more. He wants to do more. What unlocks more? 
thankfulness. What unlocks more thankfulness? Create a new pattern in me, Jesus. Create a pattern in me to look to you, to begin to worship you, not because of what you're doing, but because of who you are. That I continually carry a heart of thankfulness because in doing so, I'm acknowledging who you are and I believe that you're able to do more than I can even dream for me. That when we create an attitude of thankfulness, not only is it reflected in our passion and our desire to get close to Jesus, but it gives permission for Jesus to create a new pattern in our life. That instead of maybe holding on to a grudge or unforgiveness, and I'm not talking about in in terms of with people, but some folks hold on to a grudge and unforgiveness toward God. Some people hold on to a grudge because they see people who maybe they perceive are getting a touch from the Lord, but it seems like God's passing them up. And what happens in our heart is something that begins to harden our heart and, and scar our heart a little bit, but we, we shut down thankfulness. When we understand that thankfulness may be the key to bring in the complete healing that God desires to do in our life. But what if I were to tell you this morning that maybe the step of faith that God's asking of you is not to, not to ask for what it is you think you need, but just to be thankful for who He is. And believe that he knows what you need. That Ephesians 3.20 is really true because to me when I read Ephesians 3.20, this is what I understand. When I read immeasurably more, what I mean is this. is here's what Andy thinks he needs. Here's what Andy's worried about. Here's what Andy's concerned about. But this is where God is. And this is what God knows I need. And this is what God's able to do. And where I am and where God is are two different things, but all my attention and all my gaze is set right here because this is all I'm worried about and all I see. But if I would just take the invitation, and it's really by faith, because my feelings are still stuck here. But when I begin to hear the Holy Spirit invite me to up here, and I say, I'm going to trust you, God. That I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. That I'm going to believe that you are the Messiah And I'm going to look up to you that I know that you're able to heal me and make me whole completely. This is what happened with this leper. Passion, proximity, and a new pattern shaped the thankfulness of his heart. And the same thing could be true for us. That if we would ask the Holy Spirit to stir up passion and begin to get into the presence of Jesus in a new way. In a way that says we just want to be at your feet. And allow a pattern for his life to be created. Now I want to close this out this morning by just giving a few simple things that we can take away. Very quickly. Maybe you haven't done this in a while. And today you need to do this. Is you need to stop and think about what you are thankful for. Make a list. What has God done for you? What has God done for you? Maybe you have to look and you have to look past yourself to other people, to other things that have happened and remind yourself. But make a list. Begin to think about these things. Begin to dwell on these things. Begin to set your focus and your attention on these things, things that you are thankful for. Instead of 
understanding and occupying only the things that are going wrong or the things that you're lacking, but begin to think about the good things that God has done. The second thing is this, think about who He is. I said it already, but creating thankfulness isn't about what He's done, but who He is. And think about who He is. Look at the Word of God. Begin to understand the majesty and the beauty of God, that God simply deserves to be worshipped, and we need to be thankful just because He is God. I know, listen, I know this is difficult, now, and I don't want to rattle this off and just give a checklist without expressing a value of it. But a lot of times what happens is that we really get out of, get twisted up in our understanding of who God is and who we are. And I want to say this in an extreme amount of grace because it is so healthy for us when we understand that He is worthy of praise. He deserves all honor and all adoration and all glory goes to Him. All thankfulness is directed toward Him. It is by His choice. It is by His divine love that we exist, that you and I breathe, and there will be a number of breaths, and then it will be your last. And it is by His choice and by His design. Why? Because He is God and we are the creation. The scripture talks about it in Job. It talks about it several points in the Bible. The created never looked at the creator and said, why? Why? Because he's creator. And there's something that's so healthy about that. It renews us. It resets us. It rebalances us. And we have to get into that place and say, God, I'm going to be thankful just because of who you are. The third thing, set aside time each day, preferably at the beginning of the day, to say thank, thank you to God. Be passionate, be purposeful. Set aside time every day that you say thank you to God. And then finally, practice and communicate thankfulness in your world. Say thank you. Say thank you. My kids are good about saying thankful, thank you. But I've got one that always says thank you to us. Everything we do, hand her a napkin, she's going to say thank you. And I'm blown away. I'm like, really? I don't think I do that. Think about it. Come on. How good are you at saying thank you? What's important about saying thank you? Because it cultivates something. Take time to tell people in your life, specifically, intentionally, how thankful you are for them. Take time to tell your spouse that. Take time to tell your children that. Take time to tell your boss that or your employees that. Here we go. This is going to blow your mind. Take time to tell your teachers that. Nope. (laughs) Take time to tell your parents that. Maybe you've got parents that are at the very tail end of their life. Take the time. Take the time. Think about it and do this. And what happens when we cultivate this is it begins to create an attitude of thankfulness inside of us. Lessons from one thankful leper. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus this morning for who you are.
that you are God, that you are good in all things. I thank you for Ephesians 3.20. That you know incomparably more than I know. And you desire incomparably more than I desire for me. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now that in our, in our church, in every life, that you would begin to set our focus and our gaze up to where you are. That we would allow you, Holy Spirit, to create a new pattern of thankfulness inside of us. Father, I know that there's folks here this morning that are believing you for, for things, God, that they even would categorize themselves in a place of desperation in need of a breakthrough. And Lord, you see them the same way that you saw these ten lepers. Jesus, and, and by the way, thank you that you weren't angry at the nine. Thank you that you didn't punish them and you didn't, you didn't say, nope, leprosy, come back. But you love them. And you healed them still. But God, we want to be the one leper that comes back and allows you to create thankfulness in our heart. And God, for those who are standing at that, that place, I pray your great grace upon them, God, that they don't maybe have the answers or have the, the strength to go through what they're going through. But God, you're sufficient and, and, and your grace and your peace is going to surround them. But Father, I pray that you would cause all of our eyes to look up and to see who you are, that we would be thankful. And that Holy Spirit, I pray that for every person here, that you do what you did for that one leper, that, that Jesus, if they would have only known that they could have come back and said thank you, what it would have done, what it would have unlocked. That Jesus, you desire to heal completely, to sozo our lives, that every aspect Lord, of who we are is completely whole. And Father, I pray for those who are under the stain and the pain, Lord God, in their soul, not just their physical body or not just their future, but Jesus, you would be that sozo for them to make them completely whole. That you would lift the shame and the stain and the pain off of them and erase, Father God, the things that the enemy has attempted to torment them with. Father, I thank you. I thank you. We thank you because it's who you are. Let our passion just be ignited to thanking you, to creating a thankful heart. Let us be a people who long to be at your feet, Jesus. We love you so, so much. Amen, amen, amen. 